0: You know, I do believe that God is faithful, and I do believe that Jesus is the answer, and I also believe this message says nothing is impossible with God. You know, that's important. You have to know. You have to know what you believe, and I'm just sharing. These things are things that I say I believe. I, I think really truly this is what we believe in this church. We believe that God is faithful. We've seen it. We believe that Jesus is the answer. He's come through for us many times. We believe that nothing is impossible with God. It says so in His Word, and we've seen those things happen too many times in this church and in our lives. And as we go and as we grow in this this particular series a couple more weeks... You know, I think in the end, it comes down to each one of us knowing what we believe. I said it in the beginning, if you don't know what you believe, and I've taught this in Overcoming Faith for years in VBI, it's okay to not know what you believe, but you'd better be searching and seeking God to find out what it is you do believe. Because if you don't know what you believe about your situation, you are fair game for the enemy. You will not know what to think, you will not know what to speak, you will not know what to do, and you will be lost. And you say, well, I can't hear anything. I don't know anything. Hallelujah. And that's a little high for me, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, i do that. So I'm a little more that way than the other way, but we don't sing that that way. Some of us praise the different stuff. <laughs> But you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, God knows you. You're uniquely gifted. We each one of us are. You're talented to fulfill his will for your life. You're not talented to fulfill somebody else's race. You're not talented to fulfill some race that maybe you want to run. You're talented to fulfill the thing that God's called you to do. You're gifted for that. And so what we have to do is understand what we believe in our heart and then begin to live it in our life. And if we can do those two things, just like the thing says, if you live the word of God, you will be blessed, period. I mean, the last part of that is true, too. If you don't, you won't. It's just that simple. But I'd like to focus on the part that says, live the word. Live God's will for your life every day. Every day. And then you don't have to worry about all the rest because it. it says in his word, part of his will is for you not to worry. Matthew 6 says, don't worry about tomorrow. Well, what if? Don't worry. What if? Don't worry. So we, don't have, we don't have time for that. And, and, you know, pastors have said for years and, and I have said for years we live in a world that's speeding up and what happens in the lives. And and it happened to people who were outside the church for a long time, but now the, the, the speed of the world and the thing that's going on is affecting the people who were inside the church too you know, they've got 14 different things for all of your kids. And what happened is we've got two generations removed from people who were really involved in the things of the Lord and, and, and sacrificed their family going to do everything so that they could do what God called them to do. Now we're two generations removed from that type of people. And we have people who felt like they were lost a long time ago and didn't, nobody appreciated them and they didn't get to do the things they wanted to do. So as parents, this next couple generations in here, in the middles, the forties and thirties in this group, they're the ones who are saying, well, I'm going to do everything for my kids. And we're going to go out, we're going to have all of these things. And, and, and if I can't get to that's just fine. My kids deserve this. Well, if we're, not, if we're not instilling the word of God in our children, if we're not doing those kinds, of, we're going to be three generations and four generations removed from that. And we'll end up with what Ron Luce has been talking about for years, 4% Christian in a country. See, he said that for years, that, that as the generations continue to digress, as the world continues to speed up and as people get busy involved in all of these, there are a lot of things out there to be involved with. I can occupy my time for, for 20 hours a day doing something. I've got 697 channels or something on my cable. I don't even know. I use four. (laughs) But have you ever decided, I'm just going to go through them all. And you know what? By the time you get through to see what you wanted to watch, that show's over now because it's already been an hour and there's something else on. You got to go back through them again. The internet and all the things and all the different opportunities that sports groups and camps. and I mean, there are things going on all over the place. And I'm not telling you those things are wrong for you and your family, but I am telling you, you have to know the will of God for your life and for your family, because you are going to end up being part of the increase or you're going to be part of the decrease in that 4% population. Now, we're not to 4% yet, but if you want to find out, just just Google Ron Luce and then 4% Christians, and you'll get his, his articles and the things that he's talked about and said about how that is slowly just dwindled from World War II to where we are today. How the generations have just slowly dwindled down. People now say, well, I'm not really a Christian, I don't really, but I'm real spiritual. Well, that's not going to get you anywhere because you're going to come into uh, impossible situations in your life and spiritual doesn't make it. Relationship does. See, a relationship with God gets you through the impossible situation because it says he reacts and acts on his word and his word is alive in the person who has a relationship with him, not somebody who's just spiritual. It says in his word, a lot of people know the word. And you can pick and choose whatever scripture you want to use, and you can yell at the devil all day long. But but if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's not going to make any difference for you. And here's the thing. As, As the world begins to speed up and continues to, and it seems like your life, does it seem like your life can kind of get out of control a little bit? It doesn't have to. See, because the will of God is always in control. He's always in control. It's always focused. This direction says focus on Jesus. If you find yourself grabbing at straws and just trying to make it to tomorrow and do those kind of things, you've got to slow down a minute. And you've got to say, okay, God, what, what's going on in my life? I believe he gives us the opportunity to do things that are above and beyond us, but that doesn't mean that everything that comes across your path, is—is is, if it's a good thing, it's a God thing. It says in Jeremiah, and I've used this scripture plenty, Jeremiah 12, 5, and in the Message Bible, Sandy, you can do it there. The message says, so Jeremiah, if, if, you've, if you've worn out in this foot race with men, what makes you think that you can race against horses? And if you can't keep your wits during the times of calm, what's going to happen when troubles break loose like the Jordan and flood? See, what happens, in your, if, you can't, if you can't hardly keep yourself together in a calm time or in a normal time, what happens when all, see, what hap, people's lives are like this. When they get squeezed, when the stress comes and the pressure comes of this life, they just really start to freak out. And a lot of people, you may know them, they just, they just shut their door, hole up in their room, and they don't come out. And, and that's, that's something that we have to fight against as believers. Because I have that, I mean, if it gets to be too much, I basically just sit, just sit down. Luckily, I've got a wife that, that gets me back up and says, come on, honey, one thing at a time. She wanted to clean the office, and, I, and I'm not going in there. I literally have whittled out myself a little space in there to come and do my messages and do my thing and whatever it is. And then I don't go back in there. I just pile stuff in there. And as long as the piles don't fall over, we're good. (laughs) Now, really, truly, it's not that big a deal, spiritually, I guess, in our lives, other than the fact that it's a lot of clutter and it bothers the mind. But I I couldn't go in there and attack that situation. It seemed too big. It seemed impossible for me. But just a step at a time. Now, it's not completely clean yet, but, boy, we shredded papers for, like, two days. We had two shredders going at the same time, getting rid of stuff, cleaning stuff up. Dan's going totally paperless in his life, so uh, send him emails only, apparently, so you don't want to give him a piece of paper. Uh, we, were at a, we were at a finance committee meeting, and I had the budget for the church, and I was I like, I don't know if I need to print him one, because he said he's going paperless, and this is a lot of paper, and I, I just, uh, so I, I didn't know what to do, but I went ahead and gave him one anyway. But, you know, the, the idea is that, that as, as the world begins, as what God's doing in your life, he's beginning to take you down the place where he wants you to go. It may seem like, oh, my goodness, that is, that is more than I can handle. Well, then there's something else in your life that you need to sit down and move on. Because, see, with, with, with God, it may look impossible, but with God, it is possible. And what I find in my life, you've probably found in yours, that as he leads me down this direction, and it seems to be absolutely impossible for me to do it, I can't even think because all the things that are going on, when I begin to seek God's face, he begins to show me the things to shut off or he begins to show me the things to stop. And you know, when I started thinking about uh, what, God, what do you have for us to do in this new position and the things that we're doing immediately, this thought came to me, I'm not going to get to watch TV anymore. Oh man. Now I, you know, I mean, I got shows that we watch and things that, you know, but there aren't a lot of them, but we, you know, we kind of, you don't, you have a ritual. I mean, it's Tuesday night, Biggest Loser's on. I can't, you know, I got to get home from alive, really, you know, we get home about 9, 9.30 from alive, and then we got to sit down real quick so we can DVR to get through our Biggest Loser. And and what I'm finding is my DVR is getting full and full, it's getting more and more things in it, because I don't have time to watch that. And I can either go with that and say, that's awesome, God, no problem, let's continue to go this direction, or I can feel bad and anxious about the fact that I'm not getting to watch my TV shows. See, as things begin to kind of increase. And really, truly, you know what's going to increase me as a person? What's going to increase me as a pastor and as a leader? Biggest Loser, or I'm in the word ministering to people. Come on, I like Biggest Loser. They change lives there. Man, I won't tell you the other shows we watch. That's the only one. It's the nicest one. But, you know, it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, it's, it's, you know, the Lord's speaking, and he says, I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans to give you a future and a hope. And and I think as things begin to increase in your life, you have to realize that it may look impossible to you. But see, God is faithful. Jesus is the answer. And it, it may be impossible with you, but with God, all things are possible. And it says that he's given you a plan. He's created you for a purpose. He's created you for good works. And the idea is that we walk in that thing. Now, here's the key, and here's the part that really makes it difficult for us as believers. No matter our age, no matter our maturity in the word, no matter where we are spiritually in our lives, the thing that he's calling us to each day is beyond who we are. It's beyond what we can do in our, nat- in our natural ability. You may be gifted and talented in that area, but to do it without all the strings attached and to do it the way that God wants you to do, it's beyond who you are, so you have to rest in him. See, as things pick up, we worry about how confused, oh, it's going to make you get anxious. You can start to get fearful, and oh, what's going to happen? That, see, none of that is in the Word of God that says that's what the person who's following after God. That's the person who's looking on the flesh and looking in themselves and not looking into the Lord and to the Word of God. We have to be careful because it says in Isaiah that we're supposed to enlarge our tents. And part of what I shared today, talking about, you know, nothing is impossible, is, is, is part of a word that I shared with the alive kids, you know, a few weeks ago. And I shared it on a Wednesday night in here. Uh, for the offering one time too, just a short per- portion of it. But God's plan and purpose is always bigger than you and it's past your ability. And it says in Isaiah 54, and you can go there, and I'll read it out of the Message Bible. It's verses two and three. It says, clear lots of ground for your tents. And I, when I read this, when God showed me this scripture, it really was exciting to me. Because in, in, in our lives, we're always believing for increase. We're always believing, you know, but with that believing for increase comes you know, an opportunity to grow and to step out in faith and to do something new, maybe something different, something more in our life. And it's no different in, in, in our lives, in your life, than it is in this church too. So I was very excited as I began to read this, but it says that you need to clear lots of ground in your tents, or in your, for your tents, make your tents large, spread out, and then it says in this particular version, think big. And God's been giving me that thing since, you know, last year sometime, dream big, man, dream no small dreams. It's impossible, I know, but with God it's not. See, where you are today, who you are today, that's not who God's gonna have you be. And he's not gonna give you this big dream that you can do. He's going to give you a big dream and he has a big plan for your life that you can do through him, but not in your own strength. See, so you have to understand that he's faithful. You have to understand that he is the answer. You have to understand that with God, nothing's impossible. Next week we talk about love. See, all of these things, we talk about faith today. And faith acts how? By love. God is love. The last one probably be the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, with all of these things working together, there's nothing, there's nothing that the devil can do to stop you. But if you mess these up and you don't know what you believe, you're a sitting duck for the enemy. And I believe as we grow in this church, as we grow in our lives, we have have to know, you're going to have to know what you believe. And, I, you know, I said to Corey this week, you know, I got like six things, man. I got like six messages, and it's just they're all mixed up together. But, the, I mean, that is what I believe. That is what I stand on. That's what I've built, you know, our life on. That, that is the direction. That is what God showed me. That's what he spoke to me. That's what I've learned. That's what I've seen him be. I mean, I know his faith. I mean, those are all the things that I know that God's put in my heart. So I don't want to bore you after six months of this, but I'm telling you, man, it's, you're going to have to understand and maybe roll in this a little bit for yourselves where you are. And you're going to have to enlarge your tent you don't want to be the smallest tent in the biggest neighborhood of tents. It'll create tent envy. And you'll be looking around at all the other big tents that are full of God's blessings. I mean, you know, it I don't even know if I can say that. But anyway, but you know, I mean, I it, create, it creates this idea where you start looking around and then you become discouraged and disappointed because they're they're all the tents See, you may have known somebody who got saved after you maybe you led them to the lord but they did they enlarged their tent man they changed the way they thought they changed their perspective they they just said man what you should, man? that is awesome and now they have gone past where you are how good does that make you feel as a person so you should be right you should be going to, god doesn't say stay still stay right he says stand still but he sees what says what see the salvation of the lord he doesn't say stand still and be nothing he doesn't say, focus on me and not grow. He doesn't say, lean on the word and sink. See, all the things in him are growth, and all the things in him are big, and all the things in him are past where we are. But it says you need to make room for your growing family. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. Praise God. Dan's going to have another set of twins. No, I'm just kidding, bro. I'm just, I'm just no. I, <laughs> that was not God. I just, no, I didn't hear nothing. I'm just saying, you know. All things are possible. He's got the most kids that I know. So, you know, I mean, he's got five and, you know, but think about that in this church. So you're going to need lots of room. You're going to need lots of elbow room. You haven't been there, probably in the new building. You probably haven't been in that place, but there is lots of elbow room. There is lots of room for growth. There are lots of room for expansion. There are lots of room for a lot of things. That's expanding our tents, but let me tell you where we are. To, see, and you can think, well, when we get there, then we'll, no, you expand your tents, you begin to expand your, your place of right now So because then it f- begins to fill that place. Begin to expand the tent in your life. Begin to expand your vision. Begin to expand your thinking. Begin to expand your giving. Begin to expand everything that's, uh, that you're about. Begin to stretch past where you are. The old boundaries and the old barriers that used to keep no limits with God. Nothing is impossible. As he leads you and as he guides you, he will provide for you. Enlarge your tent. Enlarge the place of your dwelling. You're going to need elbow room for your growing family. You may not be having more kids, but you may be having more things in your life that you're going to have to do. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's an opportunity to have people into your home. Expand your thinking. Expand your tents. Expand what you're going after. Expand what you're believing for. Expand what you're speaking. Expand what you're meditating. See, if you can change this whole perspective then you begin to change your situation here in this realm. You have to change it first sp- in the spiritual realm before you'll ever see it in the natural realm. And if you won't change it in the spiritual realm, that's by thinking, by speaking, and by acting on then you're never going to see it here in this earth. It may be God's best for you. It may be God's plan for you. It may be what he wants you to do. But if you will not do it first spiritually in your life, in the unseen portion, in the unseen place, if you won't speak it forth and and write it down and meditate it and begin to act towards it, begin to believe that that's true, begin to see it in your place of dwelling, begin to see it in your business, begin to see it in your kids, begin to see it in your family, if you won't begin to do it when you can't see it, you won't ever see it. Seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. And you have to get to that point in your life. It says here, it says, you're going to take over whole nations. I'm still in the same scripture. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to wrestle abandoned cities. And then the last portion of this is important because this is where we begin to falter. And this is where we begin to get a little uh, leery. It says, don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. See, what's the first thought? I don't want to say that because I might be embarrassed. It might not happen. What would people say? But it says right here to do it think big expand it use plenty of rope it says drive the pegs deep because when you have a bigger structure there's more resistance when the wind comes and when things happen and your tent strikes have to be down in the ground when Terry was here and he had his tent down in 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 Greenwood we went down and saw it this gigantic tent for the 99 he said they used to they, they hammered stakes like the circus you know in these parking lots and then this big wind came and like it was like it was lifting up the tent it's an air structure, so it has fans on the inside that keep it. And then the pressure between the inside and the outside, I don't know, man. You know, it's, I, But it keeps the thing alive in a, in a float. But then when the wind came, it started to like shift and like the stakes started to come out. So now he has like, I think it's 30 or 45 of these gigantic water things. And each one is like a ton of water. And so they have them all set all the way around the tent. Those are deep stakes. This tent is not going anywhere now. It's a big structure, and when the wind comes and it begins to move things, it's not going anywhere because it's grounded. Are you grounded in the Word? God is looking for a few good men and a few good women who are willing to look past themselves. See, look past their life, to live their life totally without limits, to be focused on Him and His desires for their life. See, can you enlarge your thinking to that point, to that place? That's the Word that God has given us for the young people and alive, and I believe it's the Word that He's given for us in this church too. We're never too old to think big. We're never too old to grow into the next thing that God has for us. My grandfather's 90 years old here in March. And I'm telling you what, I, God's got plans for him. I don't know what they are, but he's got plans. And Grandpa, man, he, he, he gets up and he comes, I'm telling you, this guy's 90. And he comes in here and washes the van and counts offerings and does, you know, I mean, they, they used to sweep out the van. I mean, they, they, he's 90. And he's like, "Hey, what do you got for me, Pastor John. I said, well, you can call me John because I'm your grandson. He goes, oh, you're Pastor John. Okay, Grandpa. <laughs> because it is mental. It is mental. And you have to begin to understand that Matthew 11, 12 isn't, isn't about a bad thing. Matthew eleven twelve says, you know, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. And if you read it in, in the New Living Version, it says, And from the time of John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and the violent people are attacking it. See, the, 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 the sword of the Spirit, is a, is a, it's an actual offensive weapon. He's given you the shield of faith, but he's given you an offensive weapon to begin to speak those things. Pastor Bill's taught us for years that violent part means the energetic and enthusiastic people. I believe that there are things out there that you face that look impossible to you. But if you'll see by the eyes of faith, if you'll keep yourself focused on Jesus, you'll realize that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. It's not just getting by. It's that, heck yeah, I got more than enough, Ephesians, you know, I mean, I'm like, I am exceedingly, abundantly above all that I could ever ask, hope, and thank. The mind is a powerful tool. I mean, it is a powerful tool. If you'll begin to use it the way that God created it to be used. Because if not, it's a power, powerful tool for destruction in your life. People are messed up, and it, not because of things they've gone through, but because of things that they continue to meditate We've got young people who are single moms in this place and, and we're working with them and trying to get them, you know, to go from one level to the next level to the next level. And it may be a single mom or it may be a, a different situation, another family, maybe a family. But when you're hooked into the system of this world, when you're hooked into the governmental system, it is difficult to begin to break you off of that system because your mind has been trained to be part of that system. See, that keeps you trapped. And then you say, well, you don't have to be on food. You don't have to be on welfare. And there's nothing wrong with being on those things. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is we have people who say, I know God said that. And I know that's what I'm supposed to do. And then they have a storm that comes, and they're new in the word of God. And so all of a sudden, the word is not really rooted in the inside of who they are. And they begin to waver back and forth between two opinions. And then all of a sudden, they find themselves in trouble again. What we need to do is take a place and have a place like Pastor Pam has had in her heart, where we can get this, this eight eight-bedroom apartments or these eight apartments, and we take these ladies and we set them up in that place. And then we don't just help them, but then we begin to retrain the way that they think about who they are in their situations. Because if you can retrain the way that people think, then you'll be able to train, change their life. But if you can't change the way somebody thinks about themselves and who they are, that is deep-seated stuff. The mind is a powerful. The mind is a powerful tool, and the world has used that against people all of their lives. It's generational. It's been going on in their family for all these years. You want to take somebody that's fourth generation walking in poverty and food stamps and welfare, and you want to tell them that they can have an abundance in Jesus Christ? It's going to take a little bit more than just a little message on Sunday and pat them on the bottom and see them out the door. See, right. so you got to run. Right. Don't pat him on the no, don't pat them on the bottom. That's right. Pat them on the yeah. Pat them on the back. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> see, I got good people around me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. That's good stuff. I did that once. I was coaching girls' basketball, and I got really excited. And the girls did something, you know, and they all, and I've, I've done nothing but coach boys. And so, you know, I mean, I coached girls' basketball, and it was freshman girls, and I was like, man, we were jumping up and down. And one of them ran by, and I went, whack. And I went, oh, I liked this job. She stopped and looked at me, and I looked, sorry, that won't happen again. So, yes, pat them on the head. We pat them on the head, give them a hug as they walk out. But you got to change the way people think god is bigger than the things that you face look at numbers real quick as we go okay look at numbers in chapter 13 and this is what i'm getting at when i say that you have to change the way that you think first john 4 4 says that he that he is greater see god is greater than he who is in the world it's a little math thing And because A is bigger than B, and B is bigger than B, he is bigger than the devil. He's on the inside of you, therefore you're bigger than the devil. But if you seed that off, if you give that away, seed, C-E-D-E, not like plant it. But as you give it away, you give away all the authority and the dominion by walking in doubt, walking in fear, walking in unbelief, then you're not bigger than the devil anymore. And you want to know why he's running over you? It's because you've given away all that stuff with the thing that you're thinking and the thing that you're saying. But if you can continue to meditate the right word, begin to speak the word, begin to do... See, it says in Joshua 1.8, man, it'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success, period. That's the end of the story. You will see impossible things happen in your life. It says in Numbers, and this is where they got into trouble. It says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses in verse 30 and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. And they had just gone back and they just talked about how, how all the things that they saw in the promised land were exactly the way that God said it was all the stuff that God had promised them, all the stuff that he had told them. And you may be here, and God may have spoke those things to you in your life. He may have showed you those things, and you, and you come back, man, and you're out of the prayer closet, or you're out of that Joyce Meyer meeting, and you're out of praise and worship today, or you're out of this church service, or VBI, or whatever it was that God was speaking to you. And man, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that's God. You're like tingling all over, and I mean, you've got the little things going. And, and you know, man, you come home, and you begin to tell people, and then people begin to tell you why that isn't the way it's going to be. See, there will always be dissenters. There will always be people who tell you it's impossible. There are always people who say that it can't ever be done. There'll always be people who say, what about your past? There'll always be people who say, you couldn't do that. You don't have the money or you don't have the education or you don't have the... See, there are are people people like that. There are family members in your life who are like that. There are people who you think were friends who were like that in your life. Hook up with different friends. You can't change your family. Pray for them. But hook up with different friends. Because if those friends aren't taking you where you need to go, then you need to get a new group of people to hang around with. Get in here on Monday night meet some people who are going in the right direction. Get in here on Tuesday night with the men. Get going in the right direction, people who are speaking into your life. It goes on and it says, but the men who had gone up with him said, see, they said. See, the men who had gone up with him began to speak. And they said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone has, as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. They just got done telling them that it's the land full of milk and honey. And then they got back. Caleb said, yeehaw, let's rock it out, let's go. And they said, whoa, hold on. See, when push comes to shove and it's time to move out in faith, that's when people begin to get a little bit confused. The land is full of, that we have spied out is it devours its inhabitants. All the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we also saw the giants of of the descendants of Anak, and we were like grasshoppers in our what? Our own sight. So we were in their sight. Well, it doesn't matter what people see you as. It doesn't matter what people think about you. It matters what God said you are and what he thinks about you. And it says that he has great plans for you that are going to give you a future and a hope. It says his ways are higher than your ways, and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It says that you're the apple of his eye and you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It says that you are part of his family. You've been adopted in. Now, how many of you would actually not step out and take care of something for your own children if they were in a place? How many of you have said it doesn't matter? See, you say this to your kids. It doesn't matter what people think about you. Do the right thing. It doesn't matter what people say about you. Do the right thing. And you say, I know it's hard, but you can do it. And then we go in our own walk and in our own life and we go, oh my goodness, it's hard. I'm not going, see, we can't, we can't, we can't be doing that. It becomes hypocritical in our life we begin to vacillate. We're trying to teach them the right thing to do, but we're doing the wrong thing in our own life. The best thing to do is to teach them the right thing to do, then you do the right thing. And if you can do that, if you can begin to, to captivate this thing that's between your ears, continue to renew your mind to the word of, I'm telling you, it will metamorphosize who you are. First Samuel, if you'll look real quick, chapter 17. This is a different story. This is a young man who faced many, many, really, for the most part, the same situation. A giant stands in the land. The whole army of Israel is petrified about this guy who's come, Goliath. And he's standing there and he's coming against the kingdom. But David knew who he was. He knew what God had said. He knew who his God is. He knew that with God all things are possible. And that although he is a young man with nothing but a few stones in his hand, and this is the, this is the, the man, this is, this is the biggest guy they got, the best fighter they got, and this is the whole army against the children of Israel. They have come and they are getting ready to defile the children of Israel, to defile defile their God. David stands up, but what does he do? He doesn't say, oh my goodness, we're going to die. We're going to, oh, everybody run for the hills. He stands up and said, you come to me with the sword and the spear, but, and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel, who have you, you have defiled. Then he goes on he says this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and I will take your head from you and this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the <laughs> and this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all see all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and with the spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. He didn't say, you know what, look at me and who I am. He said, let me tell you about how big God is. See, they tried to dress him in Saul's armor because they thought, well, this is what you're going to need, boy. And he took all that off. He said, you know what? I'm not into that armor, man. I, I, I need some stones. And I'm telling you what, I know who God is. And it's not about me anyway. See, he's looking for a few good men and women who can get out of themselves and get into who he is. And then if you get into who he is, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. He always makes a way for you. Isaiah 43, we've talked about it for weeks. He makes a, a highway in the, in the wilderness, he may, you know, roads in the, in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Mark 9, 23 was the story where he was talking to the, to the, to the gentleman whose son was being thrashed around and they, the, 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 the disciples couldn't do anything to help him. And he told Jesus, if there's anything that you could do, please help me. And Jesus said, if, if, why don't you just believe anything is possible to him who believes. If you believe, all things are possible. It says so, Mark 11.22 says, When you speak with your mouth and you believe in your heart and do not doubt, speaking to the mountain, removed and cast into the sea, those are the steps. Speak it, believe it in your heart, don't doubt. You have to walk by faith. The word believe means to trust in, to have confidence in. It's a personal trust that produces obedience. That's in your notes, it's in your outline, I think. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If you want to see God do the impossible in your life, you have to walk by faith. There's not another option. There's not another way. I haven't seen it. I haven't read about it. People may tout it, but I doubt it <laughs> if it doesn't line up with the word. All of a sudden, I become some kind of rhyme scheme. What's up with that? <laughs> Hebrews 11.6 says it like this. It's impossible to please God without faith. See, because when you step out of faith, you've stepped into flesh. Whatever is not of faith is sin. And how can we be in sin and please God? It's impossible to do. How can we be in flesh and see God's abundance? How can we be in flesh and see the impossible become possible? You can't do it. You have to do it by faith. If you could do it in the flesh, you would have. I don't know how many people over this last year, God really began to show that to me. And that began, you know, one of my answers. Pastor Bill would ask, you know, What, you know, does the word of God say? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? You know, what are you doing? And what God was telling me over this last year, I was asking people this question. If you knew what to do, I mean, would you fix it? Yeah. Well, then do you know what to do? No. Well, then we need to pray because Jesus is the answer. And he will tell you and he will speak to you the things that you're supposed to do. He will give you. See, he'll give you the plan. He'll begin to pour it out in your life. If you look, faith requires action in your life. It's not just about mental, mentally believing, but it, it's actually faith without works is dead. James chapter two. James one twenty two says, be you doers of the word and not just hearers only. See, there has to be action to your faith. And as we talked about increasing our tents, you know, in Isaiah, get those things out, get the stakes out. There's action to that. What is that action? You're speaking it. Don't go out to your neighbor and move your fence two feet over. You know, they're not going to appreciate that. But in your speaking, in your meditating, the way that you walk and carry yourself in your giving, in your, in your believing for people, in your speaking of the word and ministering. See, we're all ministers of the gospel somewhere. But I'll be embarrassed. I'm not sure about it. It says in the scripture, don't be. I don't know what I'll say. God will show you. I know God's called me to do that, but I just don't know what to do. See, I hear that all the time. Well, I don't know what to do either good luck. I'm not you. The only person that could know what you're supposed to do is you. I can tell you what the word says. I can tell you if it sounds like what the word says. And I can tell you if it sounds like or feels like to me, it's the spirit of God, but I can't tell you what the spirit of God is telling you. It says in first Corinthians chapter two, that only you know those things. That's why it's important when mama tells you, you got to get your own face, son. You got to pull your bootstraps up and you got to get going. You got to do it yourself. You've got to know God is faithful. You've got to know that Jesus is the answer. You've got to know that nothing's impossible with God. We'll finish here in Exodus. You have to know the plan. It says in Exodus chapter 14, and this is a story that God gave me to share with the young people, and I shared it in here on that, on that one day. But I wanted, I wanted to share it again here on, on a Sunday morning and share this with you because it's important. If you're going to see the impossible become possible with God, you, you have to know what God is saying to do. I, I, you know, there, there weren't times and places in the word of God where somebody saw something, you know, especially the children of, of Israel as they went through all the things that they went through. God always spoke, the, he always spoke to the leader first. He always told them this. He took Joshua aside and said, okay, this city is yours. I'm giving it to you. This is how you're supposed to do it. See, there's a plan. And then you have to be the one who then walks out that plan. And if you will walk out that plan, Joshua didn't do anything to those walls. He just blew the trumpets like God said, and then God did something. See, he took something that was impossible and he made it possible, but he gave them the plan and it didn't seem like something that they probably would have done. I shared about this a few, I don't remember when it was. This last May, maybe. See, these were fighting men. These were people who were about, they were sold in. They were people who killed people and did that kind of stuff. And God said, be quiet, don't talk, walk around the city all the time and then blow a horn. See, that probably didn't make much sense to their mind. In Exodus chapter 14, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, they were in a place where they've come out of Egypt, and now they were in a place where they were in front of the Red Sea. And now not yet, but here shortly, all of a sudden, they look back behind them, and here come the children, uh, or the, all, the, all the armies of Egypt coming to get them too. So now they're between a rock and a hard place. Not only were they just now in front of the water saying, well, this is a pretty difficult place, Moses, you big dummy. How'd you get us out here? They were always ungrateful for the good things that God had done. He just got them out of Egypt. We can go back to Egypt. We were slaves in Egypt. You want to go back to being a slave? That's what you begin to speak to people. As they begin to waver back and forth, you begin to grab them out of those clutches and say, come on, come on, come on. You're almost there. You're almost to that point. Don't go back. It looks better right now, but you know it's not. It goes on and it says, the Lord will fight for you. This is the Lord. And he says, and hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry? Verse 15, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now, I'm sure that didn't make sense, and I'm sure there were some other things that he said, okay, what happens after that? You know, I mean, we always want to have the nine-step program, you know, and he just said, just one step, just lift up your hands. And so if you look down in verse 21, and then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind that night and made the sea into dry land. He didn't tell him how he was going to do it, but he did say, you lift up your hands and they're going to go across on dry land. Well, how, God? I want to know everything. Be quiet, you. Lift up your hands. And so he lifted up his hands, and the children went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. But then the Egyptians came, and they pursued, and they came in after them. And then the Egyptians got down in there, and when they got into the dry land, all of a sudden the wheels came off of their chariots, and all these things happened, and Moses is watching all this. Holy smokes. God, you're good. I mean, it's an impossible situation, but what did they do? They asked God. Now, this is Moses for the whole children of Israel. In your life, the Holy Spirit's life on the inside of you. You can ask God, and he'll begin to speak to you this way. But once he speaks to you this way, you better lift your hands. If if Moses wouldn't have lifted his hands, it would have been disaster for the children. Because see, God said, lift your hands. Your way of provision, your way of possibility is through following the thing that God is speaking to you and what he's put in your heart. And he told Moses, lift up your hands. So if he doesn't lift up his hands, I doubt very seriously that water even parts. Now, I believe that God would deliver his children and something would happen. But Moses messed it up, right? He, he was supposed to speak to the rock the last time, hit it with a stick, and he didn't end up in the promised land. So you have to be careful, and you have to do it the way that God told you to do it. He lifted up his hands, and in that place, all of that happened. And then God said to Moses, hey, 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 lift up your hands again, and I'm going to close the water on top of all the people. So Moses lifts up his hands again. The water closes on all the people. Not only did the children of Israel make it to the other side, but he took care of the enemy, too, in the same process. And what did they do? They danced and they sang. They were ungrateful people. One arm, two arm lifts before. (laughs) Sounds familiar sometimes. You know, I was just crying to God and complaining to God. And then I did what he said and it worked. And then I was happy again. Don't start crying to God. That's, you know, that's kind of the process. So in that that place, he opens and they close. And then it says at the end, this is the important part. It says at the very end there. It says, so the Lord saved Israel that day, verse 30, out of the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. In verse 31, and here's the thing, okay? I believe that God is faithful. I believe that that Jesus is the answer, and I believe that nothing is impossible with God. He's a big God. We serve a big God who does great things, who makes no small plans for you in your life, who leads you to no small areas, but takes you to big places in him. And it says in verse 31, thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. I believe now all of a sudden they have a revelation of the fact that when they left Egypt, see, they did a great work in Egypt. As they left and as they went on the other side of the sea, now they're over here, the armies, that was it, the army was done. There was no more coming to get them. That was the finish of the work that he started in Egypt as they came out into that place. But they had to continue. See, it wasn't just everybody. Everybody was probably excited when they had all the gold and the silver and they left that night. And they were all probably going, ha, ha, our God's bigger than you. And then they get out there and think. See what happens? You begin to get in the flesh. You begin to, get, you begin to take glory for all the things that God And I'm, I'm, just make, I'm, just, I'm just thinking. And they run into the water. And then all of a sudden the army. And God says, now who got you out of Egypt. See, who opened the door? Who made the way? Who changed Pharaoh's heart? Who got you out? Moses said, You did. What am I supposed to do now? How are we going to complete this journey? Lift your hands. Lifts his hands. See, Abraham didn't ask, How's this all going to happen? Abraham packed up his stuff and moved. Moses didn't ask. Okay, well then what? When I lift my hands, then what am I supposed? <laughs> what am I supposed to do after I? Lift- I'm going to lift my hands. Don't worry, I'm going to do that. But I, I, you know, I just want to know. You know, I, oh, don't worry. I'm going to be. I'm going to do it. No, you won't. Until you feel like you know the things you're supposed to know. Faith says it's not what you know; it's what he knows. Faith says it's not about you and what you can do; it's about what he can do. And so he lifts up his hands and everything happens. And then all of a sudden he lifts up his hands and it all closes up. And then they see the manifestation of God's greatness, right? It says they saw how great God had been. We said at the beginning that we're going to see the greatness of God manifest in the lives of the people of this church and in Victory Christian Center in Lafayette here, no doubt this year. But it will take us understanding and knowing what we believe, that God is faithful, that Jesus is the answer, and that nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Praise God. Let's stand up today. Give the Lord a hand. He is good. God is good. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today.